Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Buzz Podcast. Thanks for joining us again. My name is Father Daniele, and I'm joined, as always, by Josh Sullivan. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. And Matt Van Milligan. Hello. Uh, Matt, would you consider us young? Uh, <laughs> Two-thirds two of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if we're young anymore, right? But uh, I, I think it's safe to call us middle-aged. Middle-aged. Yeah, I mean, like, if we live to 80, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So actually, that's middle-aged. That's yeah. true. That's true. Well, uh, today, uh, kind of, you know, last week we kind of talked about uh, the survey with priests that were just recently yeah. ordained, uh, what that meant for the life of the church, and uh, w- this is maybe a part two of that, but not really, I guess, uh, because it does have it does have it does follow a lot of what we talked about yeah. last week. Because what we're talking about this week is something that we're seeing sort of a phenomenon in, in, in the church happening mm-hmm. where young people are attracted to the more traditional aspects of the Catholic faith. And, and you're seeing that uh, across the board, really, in, in every place mm-hmm. uh, that the church exists, which is everywhere. <laughs> and you're seeing young people, which is funny because, you know, most people say, well, young people don't have faith, young people aren't in the church. Uh, a lot of laments you hear from parishioners uh, from every parish in the whole yeah. uh, North America is like, you know, well, if only we had more young people or all these things. So you're seeing young people in, uh, you know, many parishes that are a little more traditional. So we're going to talk about why, maybe, yeah. and see yeah. what's the deal, right? Uh, so first, what do we mean by traditional? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> right? it's it, it, it's hard because like uh, when when we mean traditional or when we're we're talking about like the the thing that people tend to be drawn to is is kind of orthodoxy is is like. Uh, being connected to the timeless traditions of the church, yeah. um, because there is a like there's there's also a another kind of trend or movement that you would say is like traditionalism, like that's like maybe a bit further reaching that is like more uh, would qualify something because it's old or because it's uh, traditional. Whereas you know, um, uh, and what we're going to talk about just kind of in um, you know uh, priestly formation and and generally what, what people are finding attractive about the church. Is 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 orthodox? Is something you know um, uh, participating in the timeless traditions of the church and and really trying to um, not just be a part of a parish community, you know, in in a moment or in a specific course, historical moment, but actually being in communion with the church, you know, from yeah. from the beginning. I like how you said that. Like it's it's an orthodox approach to uh, the faith. Which means, you know, young people are trying their best to adhere to the church's teachings, mm-hmm. yeah. which, you know, is kind of the goal for the point for everyone and the timeless traditions of the church. That's what you said, Matt, which is great. Um, but because of that, we're seeing a little bit of a tension. Right? Yeah, for sure. I think you have a lot of uh, a lot of people who have. So, I mean, it, I think it stems for us back going back towards Vatican II. There were changes that were implemented in Vatican II, and I think a lot of the changes that were implemented in Vatican II, if they're taken at the level that they were written at with all of the bishops and I sorry cardinals and stuff that like it makes a lot of sense the changes that were made but what happened was people took advantage of that and were like okay this is how we're going to implement these changes and so we're going to we're going to add like we we only found out I only found out just recently and have done music for a long time that it wasn't necessarily like we weren't supposed to just start singing random songs at mass it was supposed to still be the antiphon and all that kind of stuff until not too long ago um but we just start like sing something nice at mass, sing nice songs at mass. That's kind of the idea that people kind of got the. That was never what what the 
what the tradition was passed down from yeah. Vatican II, it had very strict guidelines of what we're supposed to sing. But it, it got from what was written in Vatican II to English translation. It took a couple of years. And so the people who wanted to implement change started implementing their own changes. And so I think what we saw is we saw a church start to break down some of the traditions of the Catholic, the good traditions. Yeah. And then it took and a really hard time to get back to that. Yeah, and, and, and actually kind of separate, like actively separate itself from the tradition of the church. So yeah. again, like, um, and in many, like Vatican II itself, you know, yeah. the the, um, the documents didn't necessarily have that intent. The council certainly didn't have that intent. Um, but in some cases, people like either misunderstood or willfully misrepresented, um, you know, the, the, the aims of the council and inserted their own kind of agendas because yeah. like this is the opportunity for change. This is, and you, in, in a lot of cases, effected a separation from a lot of the, the older traditions of the church. Yeah. And I, I think that's where the tension comes from, right? Because uh, we're seeing like younger people who liked more orthodox, uh, traditional, timeless traditions of the church. And uh, so they're, uh, compared to a group of Catholics that came out of the Vatican II tradition, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and maybe were raised Catholic in the 70s, the 80s, where I don't think it's unfair to say that the way the church teachings were taught in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, maybe, mm -hmm, yeah. if we're stretching it a little bit, uh, was not up to par with maybe the actual teachings of the faith. I wouldn't say that yeah. they were teaching wrong things, maybe just not the fullness of the faith. Or or, that, or that were left yeah, left up to interpretation. Yeah. Right? And so and so like I mean when we read through, if we read if you do line by line, I'm only giving and we talk about this with Bible readings, if you give only one line of the Bible, you're not gonna like you can misrepresent it as much as you want. But if you read the full context of what was what God was saying in the story at that time to the people that he was speaking to, you understand his whole entire message, right? But if you just pick that one line out, you can misinterpret that really easily. So yeah. you take that one line out of the, uh, uh, you know. There was a big focus on like, um, well, you know, do whatever you do. God loves you anyways. <laughs> like there was this big push there, remember? And out of that came sort of uh, replacing what you're saying, more traditional music with kind of yeah. whatever music. Yeah. We're replacing... Um, reverence during the mass with more sort of folksy things and and whatever and we're replacing sort of catechesis of the church to more social gatherings yeah. right so all that all that came sort of out of that uh, out of that Error. sort of movement right but it didn't fare well in the fact that there weren't people sort of grounded in the faith, so do whatever you want, and God still loves you. You, you know, even we saw uh, we saw a significant drop in the sacrament of confession, like yeah. you know the popular rise of the um, what's it called their uh, general absolution. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, know, which is you know the church has always thought that that is to be yeah. used in strict strict, strict yeah. uh, circumstances. Um, you know, so all those things where it's just like ah, what whatever the sort of let's say fair attitude towards the faith. And then we see a, a significant drop in church attendance yeah. because of that, right? Yeah. So now what's happening is you you see young people growing up in a society that's kind of chaotic. Yeah. There's all this sort of nonsense going on on social media, nonsense going on in the world. Uh, people are trying to find direction. People are trying to find truth. People are trying to find something that they can give their heart to, their life to, that won't crumble. And they find that in Jesus Christ. They find that in the church. Yeah. But not these teachings that like do whatever you want and God still loves you, yeah. which, 
you know, God still loves you. I'm not saying that that's not true, but that's not the fullness yeah. of that of yeah. that teaching. Yeah. So that's why we're seeing it, like maybe young people turning to the traditions and of the yeah, church. Yeah, I, I think I think that's totally it because we we have the data back on do whatever you want, and it, like we have kind of the the um the church may be follow, falling into some of the the kind of social chaos that you know represented the 70s, 80s, and arguably into the 90s, even though it was the best decade. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, No, but but we have, so you have a lot of the fallout from something like the sexual revolution. You have a lot of people who, you know, live through their parents' marriage falling apart. And like, okay, they've seen, they've seen chaos. They've seen, you know, the, the product of do whatever you want are craving a structured family life are craving a sacramental view of marriage because that's that's not going to cause the same trauma. So there's there's a, you know a swing back to um, it's, it's funny because you know uh, orthodoxy is becoming the new rebellion. That it's it like, really yeah, is and, right? and like yeah, if you, and if you look at kind of social movements historically, there's and I know like in in kind of. Uh, literary theory, like artistic or whatever, they, they call it the anxiety of influence. That like one of one of a new generation of art, like their their goal is to not be like the previous generation. Yeah, that yeah, it's like yeah. that whatever the previous, however you would characterize the previous generation, you know, we need to do something different because we can't just fall into that. So uh, again, it's just like you know, the new punk is, is to go <laughs> is to go get married young, have yeah. children, and yeah. be be you know, like have yeah, lots of children, be a stable, too. responsible human being. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's 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 the rebellion. You're yeah. right. That yeah. is the. But there's something to, to be said for this authentic and real um, understanding of faith that's actually translating to like action mm-hmm. in their life like it's not just no. it's not just like they 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 like the idea no, no. of things but it's actually translating to people living as disciples of mm-hmm. Jesus which is a beautiful thing yeah and living their faith i mean we have 2000 years of history tradition and this is why the church like the church has these rules for a reason you know what i mean the church has these I'm going to even say suggestions, but like the church says, this is how we've interpreted over 2000 years. And this is the best course of action for you to take in your life. There's a reason for that. And and understanding and trusting that tradition um, really kind of like people are starting to realize, oh, this makes a difference in my life. And look, I'm actually like there's growth. There's positive growth in my life because of these traditions. Um, I like what I like what you said there about the rebellion and stuff. But I think one of the things I think that we miss is the people that were pushing for a more, I'm going to say progressive church in the seventies, eighties and nineties. I don't think that I, I think there were people with the wrong plan and probably took the wrong action, but sometimes like our church, people were maybe growing up and not realizing like, the church always holds us to a higher standard, right? Always holds us to that higher standard and wants us to be up here. Like, this is who God created us to be, and he holds us there, which is great, because if you hold somebody at that low level, (laughs) they don't achieve much past that point. Um, And so holding us up to there, giving us something to strive for. Part of that problem was the guilt associated with it. Part of that problem was the, uh, like, the punishment. Like, other people stepping in and forcing their beliefs on you, which was never the intent, necessarily, of the church. So coming in and saying, no, this is wrong. Now I'm going to punish you because you didn't live out your faith properly. Now, parents can do that, sure, right? Not, not, you know, like, step in and raise their children a certain way. But other people, other societies coming in, other... other um, I'm going to say cultures coming in and and trying to do this. There was a problem there, I think, with people. And so they're trying to reach out and be like, okay, no, no. God loves you as you are. This doesn't mean that you're not supposed to strive to be up here. But God loves you as you are. 
The problem is that got translated into God loves you as you are. Yeah. And then yeah. no you know effort what? from you required. Exactly. Yeah. And then that's and that's the problem because I think I think that message is still important. God loves you as you are. Yeah. But God like God made you to be up here. So you got to yeah. strive for here, but when you screw up, God still loves you. So you know? are you saying that prior to like the 70s yeah. uh, you're saying that because there was more of a focus on like uh you know, sort of stricter teaching, understanding yeah. the faith, learning the catechism, sort of the fear of damnation. That there was a there was the sharp turn in the seventies and eighties. Like, no, we're going to focus on God's love, right? I, I think I think that's part of it. I think people. I mean, when we focus on catechesis teaching, and we're like, so now we're going to make you learn. I'll use math as an example, but like, we're going to make you learn the parabola, the formula for um, parabolic equations. How many of us remember that from grade 12 math? Like, probably not very many of us. Maybe some of us. <laughs> um, as I see hands go up in the behind this camera. Uh, but but the um, how many of us use that on a regular life or daily life? Like, it's, it's not something. So when we're teaching just as a memorize this only, and then we'll be tested on that later, it doesn't have a lot of influence in our life. But when we're using it on a daily basis. So I think what happened was we, we got into this catechetical teaching where we were teaching them this but we weren't showing them how to live it. We weren't bringing it into a personalized level. Like, you want to have a relationship with God, meaning we want you up here, but when you screw up, God still loves you. You still got to strive for that. Yeah, it's, there's nothing wrong with the message. There's no. nothing wrong with the message that yeah. God loves you. And, I, and maybe that was needed at the time. Maybe that was a well, message that was needed at the time, but instead of the guilt, right? It wasn't God, nuanced, no, 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 if no, you will. No. The whole picture. And, yeah. and, and, and like, it wasn't the whole picture. I think, exactly. And I think, I think it's a part of the pendulum swing, as you kind of yeah. mentioned, every, every generation kind of changing. But I think like the pendulum swing of God hates you, you're going to hell because you did wrong yeah. versus God loves you. Now, but again, then we go too far past that. God loves you no matter what you do. Yes, you know what? The church is wrong now. God loves you who you are. You should be able to do whatever you want. And that's not the call that we have. And so you're starting to see that swing back because younger people, I think, are understanding, oh, no, I'm called to something greater than this. I'm, I'm actually, you know, like my parents maybe didn't have all the answers. My, you know, and... and, and yeah. So when someone says that young people are more traditional, I think what they think is they think sort of the bells and smells yeah. of the church, right? <laughs> so the yeah. bells, uh, the, the, the incense, incense yeah. the uh, the maybe l using Latin, things yeah. like that. You know, and those are obviously part of the tradition of the church, but that's not necessarily what I what I think about when I think of more traditional young people, right? Like you're you're seeing sort of practices that have gone away over the over the last number of years come back yeah. uh, that are really beautiful. That, like young people who spend time in adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, mm -hmm. yeah, right. And adoration at one time kind of. Maybe not disappeared, yeah. but definitely wasn't uh, really stressed at all as something beautiful to pray in front of the in, in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Um, you know, the devotions to Mary, yeah, um, the ro praying the Rosary. You know, the chaplets of Divine Mercy, the prayer of Saint Michael the Archangel, like all these things that were once part of you know the daily life of the Catholic mm -hmm. are are now coming back. And not just to use them, like, hey, look at me, I'm so holy, but these things are actually providing spiritual life and to spiritual these, grace to, people. to people. Like, that's where they're finding some things. Even scripture, yeah. even scripture, reading, like scripture reading scripture on a daily basis, yeah, trying to interpret that part it. of your daily prayer, yeah, or yeah. even 
daily prayer in general, actually, yeah. should be something. So I don't necessarily see, like, yeah, I, I think the bells and smells are part of it, yeah. <laughs> but that's not what I think, and, and then using Latin, uh, but that's not what I think. I, I think people are finding uh, spiritual, they're finding grace in in Jesus Christ. When, when you walk into a service with, I mean, this was something I noticed at World Youth Day, because we went with a group of about 63, I think, yeah, young adults, roughly, uh, um, that we are part of another group of Calgary. Um, and so t- together we're going, and and one of the things I, re- I recognized in a lot of the young people that we went with was was their devotion more to a traditional type of faith. They were really excited to go around and visit the churches. They were really excited to actually go and spend time in adoration. Pray with to, relics. Pray with relics and, and yeah. all that kind of stuff, which was really kind of a cool... Like when I went to World Youth Day when I was 19, that wasn't the focus um, of my generation or the you know, 30, 40 people that we went with. That wasn't part of it. Um, but it, it was for these people. And, and, and like we gave them a time on their own, and what they specifically did was go around, oh, we really got to get to Mass. Oh, we really want to yeah. go here and pray the Rosary. Oh, we really... And I was just like, wow, this is awesome. This is, this awesome. is, this is amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> Which leads me to say something that uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll get in trouble for saying, but, uh, <laughs> but there's, there's a generational gap between the the people who are sometimes organizing things for young people yes, and the young people who are seeking like for example uh, I, I thought World Youth Day uh, for because you brought it up yeah. I thought World Youth Day was you know exceptional I thought yeah. it was uh, I thought it was Great. really beautiful uh, but like for example you can tell like on the first day <laughs> I don't know Matt if you, on the first day when we were at World Youth Days it was like all the Canadians have to be at the Canadian gathering. Right, so you know there was about I think there was five thousand Canadians you in, in Portugal. <laughs> and, I'll agree with you. And uh, we go we go to this we go to this gathering for all Canadians, and it was organized by people who probably haven't worked with young people in the last twenty years. Yeah, yeah. Like it was. Yeah, it, it was, was. It was kind of like when I was a kid. It felt like the not, it felt like for the eighties nineties youth ministry. Yeah. you know, you know a I mean? pizza pop youth group. Whereas, yeah. like the people there were like. Expecting like prayer and yeah. okay, yeah. <laughs> no, I, solemnity. I, I, I think that's absolutely part of it because yeah. like my my context for this or like my you know in the nineties and yeah, yeah. Um, was was uh, in a Protestant context where um, again you don't have the sacraments to kind of anchor or ground um, yes. that so like we had a, and I was the youth representative on whatever. Um, and they're like, okay, so how do we how do we get the young people back? Because at that point, there was already kind of a, a mass attrition that was uh, that was happening. It was like, okay, well, is it like is it the music? It's like, okay, do we need more like rock style music? Mm-hmm. Like, n- no, like like, yeah. and and we think that that's going to solve the problem. It's like, okay, well, what's cool? They're just like, you're not going to compete with the outside world for cool. No, um, and you're not <laughs> exactly. you're not going to compete with a rock concert with for your, entertainment. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, exactly. So it's just like you need to kind of flip the script. You need to change yeah. your understanding. It's like. They're not coming here for cool. Yeah, there's no. the cools out there. Um, like they they want substance. They want structure. And you know, ultimately for for me, it was like I I found that in the sacraments. Or like yeah. that's that's the exactly. substantial part of my my faith. Um, that you know, again, you can go through all these different like they want good preaching. They want good like okay, yeah. yes, that is that the, there is value there. Um, and there was a time in the church's history when. You know the the church was the forerunner of culture. That right. it was like, uh, but you know that that Not historical moment has passed. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a good point because uh, I w- I was thinking last week we were talking about priests. You know, uh, with the study that came out by the Benedict Sixteenth Institute, but, and I I sort of there was this study that came out la- like a few weeks ago, maybe at the uh, beginning of November, uh, that surveyed priests ordained after the year twenty ten. 
and then after the year 2020. And with the priests ordained after 2010, 80% of them uh, described themselves as orthodox. Okay? Yeah, wow. And with priests ordained after 2020, uh, 0% said that they were progressive, right? So, so you're, you're seeing this, this yeah. sort of like, uh, this pendulum. I'm going to say, uh, uh, I know for me, you know, I, I'm no, uh, <laughs> I'm not like a rad trad, as they say, or whatever it is, but I, I do love the beauty of the church. Mm-hmm. I, I love the beauty of the church's teaching. I think that liturgy speaks when it's done well. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I, I think other people feel that when they when they are participate in a liturgy that's that's done well, and so even with priests, for example, when you have you know this sort of dichotomy maybe with like older priests looking down on younger priests mm-hmm. or younger priests looking down, down on, on older, older priests, priests saying yeah. oh they don't know what they're doing they're too progressive they don't know whatever and it's like well I I just want to put that in perspective because. Even with, and we're talking about like parishioners and, yep. and young people or whatever, uh, but even with priests, uh, priests who were ordained in the 1970s or the 1980s, yep. it, this is how they were formed to mm-hmm. minister, and yeah. so they they believe like they're they think that they're doing the best that they can, and they are. Yeah, yeah, right? they are. yeah for sure. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I don't th- I think for the large part, I don't think there are many priests from that era that are going against Catholic teaching, mm-hmm. right? And then today, you're seeing young people grow up in sort of the Pope John Paul II era and the yeah. Pope Benedict XVI era, right? And the priests are who are ordained after 2010, they're doing what they think is best, yeah. right? So everyone's doing what they think is best. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we have to give more benefit of the doubt, benefit of the doubt to each other, yeah. right? Uh, because there's always this constant battle for all yeah. these, and and then, which leads me, I'm all over the place. Which leads me, like even social media, like there's this awful like commentary on on social media, like these traditionalist versus yeah. uh, progressive, progressives, yeah, yeah. And, and there's people online who are p- pinpointing like errors at yeah. this or errors that, you know, it's it's not a it's not a it's not a nice thing to do. It's no. not a nice. It's not the we're computer not chair warriors. Each yeah. other. Like the church yeah. is so large, yeah. the, the, the Catholic church is so large that I think there's room for everyone. And there's nothing wrong with people who are uh, following the Catholic faith with sincerity. Yeah. Yes. And maybe they don't like Latin. No, no. It's, yeah. it's, and there's on the same level, there's nothing wrong with yeah. young people or older people who are following Jesus with sincerity, who like Latin. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. No, right? on both sides. On and both I, sides. I think, yeah. I think you said, like, the church is so culturally diverse. The Catholic, the universal church. It's called that for a reason, because you have music, and some people like music only from the CBW3. Uh, and, like, yeah. I, do, I do a lot of music, and I don't necessarily follow the CBW3. But th- I have parishioners that come up and ask me, can you do these songs from CBW? And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I, I don't have it on the projector. I don't have it here or there or whatever. But like, I, there are people that love that type of music. Um, there are other people that don't, that, that, that love other types of music. Um, it, when we talk about evangelization, the one thing, and yeah. I think you focused on it, Matt, um, one of the things that I think that we, we didn't necessarily get, um, maybe in some of the other generations, and this is kind of what, where we went wrong, but was... The pizza pop—I call it the pizza pop youth group—but we we we, <laughs> use, we 
the the idea that what we want to do is try to shove Jesus on like we're going to try to trick people into believing about Jesus. <laughs> yes, and so right. we're going to invite them to our parish. We're going to have feed a, you. We're going to feed you pizza pop. Yeah. We're going to have music. We're going to have that kind of stuff. We're going and then we'll add a quick prayer time in. Exactly. Uh, and then we'll do a quick grace or something, and that kind of tricks you into it. And then and then we're going to have pizza pop again. And like, but even when that happens, a lot of times it's an embarrassment. Oh well, we have to do this, guys, because we're in a church. It's an embarrassment. But what we saw was. And, and I, I brought this up a couple of times because I went around and helped with youth ministry in different parishes. And I challenged the parishes and said, if you offer Pizza Pop Youth Group, when the community center down the road off- offers Pizza Pop and chips, <laughs> how do you compete with that? You just offer chips too? And then hopefully, you know, like, no, you have to offer, <clears throat> sorry, you have to offer something that the community center down the road can't offer you. And that was part of like part of the part of the problem that we were having was like the community center down the road was offering yeah. the same kind of a youth group that this community was offering, but it was it, it, but it was better because they had more money and they could, you know, offer. But the problem is that we have something better. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's like we don't have to go search for it. No, and the, so the Catholic Church has something better. We have we have Jesus Christ. We have the Eucharist. I'm just thinking so about like that. what like in our youth ministry that we yeah. do. You know, like we've introduced people to Eucharistic adoration, which yeah. our young people just love. They love it. We've introduced people to different forms of prayer. Yeah. We've introduced. Praying compline, like yeah, night yeah, prayer the from office. the liturgy of the hours <laughs> like, with yeah, our breviary. young people. Yeah, yeah. And they've downloaded the breviary. On their own. They do it on their own. They do it on their own. We like, do it every Thursday yeah. together at the end of our night, but they do it on their own. Uh, like all these things that are gone that that <laughs> that aren't offered. It's like when when we have we have so much to give, and it's almost like we're embarrassed to to, to show it. it, to offer yeah, it. Yeah. So but this has trickle down effect, right? Because yeah. Now what you're seeing is the people who grew up in the 80s, 90s, right, Uh, and have received the pizza pop treatment, right, (laughs) now those people are now teachers in Catholic schools. Those those people are now uh, chaplains chaplains or whatever. So you're seeing that sort of continue. That's where I was talking about like the gap between what what young people are, are wanting today and what... Uh, what's being offered to them. Like everything we do in youth ministry, we always ask our young people, like, what do you want? Or does this make sense? Or does this sound good? Or whatever. You know, it's never us being like, hey, you want (laughs) to watch this cool movie? I I think one of the things, we we encountered this not too long ago. We went to a youth conference. It was specifically for youth ministers. And um, myself and Father Daniele and a couple other people from our parish went down. And then we also had people like CCO and NET, and and they were also present there. And we were, I was really excited to go. I know you were excited to go. And, and the idea was that we were going to go figure out how to minister to youth. But the problem that we had when we went to this conference was that I felt like everybody that was there attending this conference were from the front lines. They were the people working directly with youth. They were teachers. They were um, youth ministers. They were uh, people putting on conferences, whatever the case, with youth, like directly talking to youth. But the people putting it on were the people from diocesan offices. Um, that didn't have a direct connection to youth per se, meaning they didn't go and their daily life wasn't involved with youth ministry. Um, they were in charge of youth ministry, but they weren't, you know. And so they were the ones trying to teach us how to... And so a lot of times when we went in, not all, like a lot of the talks were, were decent for, from specific generation, from specific speakers and stuff, but some of the talks, you could tell the people that didn't actually, weren't in, actually involved in youth ministry. They did, though, I would agree with you, that they like the way that they taught was the way that they might have learned about it. And so when they did that, you just kind of went, oh, okay, there's like... 
there were a lot of questions, and I remember being in a specific one where a lot of people's hands were going up and a lot of questions were being asked, and, and it almost felt like the person who was giving the talk was getting attacked. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I, what I think the need to come from that was that they weren't, weren't being attacked, but the people on the front lines are going, no, you, you're wrong. <laughs> you're like, yeah. this is not what we're dealing with. We're dealing with this. So asking the teenagers on the front lines specifically, like we, we, we yeah. form a plan, we kind of come up with an idea as adults a lot of times, and then we give it to our teenagers. We're like, what do you guys think about this? Yeah. And then they give us their honest opinion. So you know what we did when we came home from that conference? Well, before yeah. we left... <laughs> <laughs> Josh and I went up to the organizers and said, "We're we're offering to organize this this okay, next, yeah. conference, next conference yeah. the next time." Yeah. and then I had to I had to come home and tell the bishop. bishop <laughs> like, Hi, I've offered to host this big provincial big national so that we can do it on a level with the people that are in the front line. Anyways, the funniest part yeah. is they never phoned us. Yeah, <laughs> they were like, "No, they didn't like it." Okay, one thing I do want to mention is uh, I've seen personally a rise in what I call Google Catholics. Ooh, right. Yeah. And uh, and so that what are these? These are young people who are just following different uh, speakers online, yep. priests. Uh, they're listening to other sort of preachers and podcasts. teachers and podcasts and things yeah. online, right? And coming to the Catholic faith from their googling, yeah. from yeah. their research, whatever. I've uh, just in like the last. Uh, three months. In the last three months, I've had two just in in our parish, right? Who young people who have come to to love Jesus, believe in Jesus, and and one has become Catholic. One is on the one wants to become Catholic. Uh, so uh, this is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So the computer chair warrior is actually working, is what you're well, saying. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say that when you're talking about like because like the the organizers being detached from the actual experience yeah. of event, of evangelization, because like you get a lot of that in kind of the online arena. And when you, when you were saying like there's a, there's tension that arises when you yeah, when, for sure when you is. start talking with this, like the tension itself like is actually just a really good discussion. Like when yeah. you're when when you you take that perspective that like our tradition is broad enough and rich enough that like we can handle this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we can yeah. we can handle this without getting. But you also have that you know combative arena that you know people are kind of shout typing yes. um, in comment sections on and and it's 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 uh, really polarized and it's you know the extremes of either of these you know you have the um, the the social justice approach to Catholicism that's entirely detached from tradition on the one end and on the other end you have tradition, you know let, let's yeah. return to before Vatican II or like a world yeah. where you know I I wouldn't have uh, become Catholic because I would have. No way of accessing the church, or like, um, yeah. so um, <clears throat> you get kind of the good and bad that comes with it. But like one of one of the good things that you're saying is is coming from this, you know, opening of the of the church uh, using things like social media, using things like YouTube, podcasts, hey, um, that you know uh, are are an avenue for people who otherwise would have no other means of getting connected with a, a church community is 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 an amazing avenue for evangelization. But like ultimately. Um, you know, that qualifies where we stand on kind of the orthodox position. It's like yeah. that, you know, you have these these movements that are, you know, I'm right, everybody else is wrong. It's like, yeah. what are you doing to evangelize? How are yeah. you connecting people to the sacraments? How are you con connecting people to kind of the, the historical church? 
I love, I love, I love what you said there because I think that's, uh, I think that's the thing that we have to realize, especially when we're talking about social, social media and all that kind of stuff when it comes to our faith, is that our faith is so rich. One of the things I, I always, when, whenever I battle um, in a debate of some sorts with other, let's say, Protestant denominations or whatever else, uh, I was in a battle. I'm going to say for a young person's heart um, uh, with the Catholic faith versus another denomination, and they would keep going to their pastor and then asking questions, and then they would come to me and ask questions, and, would, and one of the things I think. That, that turned them was turned them more towards Catholicism was just that I said, listen, I am completely fine, like I, I'm completely fine with you. That let's open up a prayer right now and we just ask God. And I, like I, I want you to honestly ask God. We're gonna pray and just say, God, show us the truth in this situation, whatever that might be. I said, so then if I'm wrong, it's gonna become clear. But if if there's something else that's wrong, then it's gonna become clear. And like we're just praying for truth. That's yeah. all we're that God shows us his truth. Because uh, I know <laughs> that I think I found it, and I and I know where where the church is, stands, and I know that that has that such a rich history that it can back me up on that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so it's it's really important that we're not scared yeah. of that. So we don't get angry. We don't try to beat them down and be like, "You're absolutely wrong." We're like, yeah. no, well, let's look at it from this perspective. I mean, they are they can be wrong, and yeah. you can point out that they're wrong, but also just showing them like this is the church's perspective, and this is what yeah. the church actually teaches. Yeah, and not shying away from those discussions, no. but actually like really trying to discern what are which are the more kind of uh, effective avenues for evangelization. So it's like I could, you know, spend my evenings on comment sections on <laughs> whatever else, um, but or I could go to RCIA and do this kind of uh, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. Pharisaic rabbinic, where like yeah. people like they go to this podcast. What do you think about this? And you're like, right. okay, what do you think about this? And it's it's actually a great discussion, but you're actually engaging with the concerns that real, living, breathing people have, and you're not just combating this caricature on, on, on the internet. I, I think one of the important things, too, that you mentioned before was bringing people back to the sacraments because mm-hmm. in the Catholic faith, I mean, it doesn't matter what the catechism says or what the, what the Bible says necessarily. I mean, it does, of course, but, but <laughs> I'm saying it doesn't matter in the sense that if people can find where to grow in the sacraments, like through the Eucharist, the source and summit of our faith, the Eucharist, confession, all those types of things, if, that, if we can get them to that point, then... All the beliefs of the church and the yeah. Bible, and the Bible is going to come alive in their life, and all that kind of like all that is going to come if we can get them to the point where they have that relationship with Jesus. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, if we can get them to that point, however they get there, if it's through Googling, if it's through witnessing, I mean, the reverence for me, the reverence of walking into a church in adoration with with the smells and the bells and all that kind of stuff, but sp- very specifically, just the reverence, watching a mm-hmm. hundred teenagers fall on their knees in reverence and absolute pin drop silence. I mean, at adoration and uh, World Youth Day, like millions of people, uh, pin drop silence, like that reverence was powerful. Yeah. And so bring them back to that source and summit of our faith, bring it back to those sacraments. From there, everything else in their life is going to come, come to, you know, come yeah. to a nice spot. Yeah. Yes, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, Matt and I went down to uh, visit uh, an Eastern uh, yeah. Catholic church, and we walked into the church, and there was just such beautiful iconography yeah. everywhere, uh, beautiful paintings all over, like anywhere your eyes moved just drew you into this like holy scene of something, you know? And it was just so beautiful. Yeah. It was just so beautiful. And, you know, I think maybe that's something that, maybe some people resent is that our churches have been for the large part whitewashed, mm-hmm. you know, from uh, when there was some beauty there. Um, but all that stuff, like you said, when you walk into a church draws you deeper, it mm-hmm. should at least yeah. draw you deeper 
into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think that's where young people are finding it, finding more from the traditional side mm-hmm. of things, right? Yeah. Then, then not. Uh, there's so much more we could have said uh, that I wanted to say as well, but <laughs> we're out of time. Uh, but maybe if someone wants to uh, drop some comments on our conversation or add something to it, you could drop it on uh, our social media. Or write, uh, you can send us an email at askus at the Catholic Buzz, uh, dot com Because, you know, there's, there's just such a beauty to the church that I think is being restored. Yes. Now through this uh, mm-hmm. through this appreciation of tradition, and I think when taught well, yeah, other people begin to see, wow, what beauty that we sort of missed out on, right? Beauty, goodness, and theology. Like those, exactly. Yeah, those are goodness, things. beauty, good, beauty, truth, and beautiful. True, eh? good, good, true, and beautiful. Good, true, and beautiful. Yeah. All right. So for Josh Sullivan and Matt Van Milgen, my name is Father Daniele. We'll see you next time on the Catholic Buzz. Mm-hmm.